you can have the greatest case in the world, but you cannot stop someone from suing you. If a rich person wants to use their resources to make your life miserable, they can do it. As more and more states enact anti-slap laws to protect journalists from frivolous lawsuits, opponents try to roll back these protections. We talk to a legal expert about this and other free speech issues. I'm Michael O'Connell. You're listening to It's All Journalism. We've had a long relationship with the Association of Alternative News Media, a nonprofit that represents 101 alternative publications throughout North America. AN recently joined the Protect Free Speech Coalition, and we wanted to find out a little bit more about what this important uh, move was. So joining me in studio today is Kevin Goldberg, AN's legal counsel, who spearheaded the effort to join the coalition. Welcome back to the podcast, Kevin. Thanks, Michael. It's uh, what my th- I think it's my third time here. Yeah, I, I do too. And you actually also helped me out on my book, so it seems like we've court- we've yes. uh, collaborated on a lot of things. And guest lectured for you once in your class. Exactly. So I was really pleased to see that uh, AN was involved in this. And uh, when I reached out to them, they said you were the guy to talk to about this. So first of all, how about a little background information? What can you tell me about Protect Free Speech Coalition? So to say I spearheaded this in any way is probably giving me way too much credit. AAN was invited, as were many others, by some folks in Texas to join what is being called the Protect Free Speech Coalition, which has come about solely to defend the current existence of the Texas Citizen Participation Act, which is that state's version of an anti-slap law. And I know we'll talk about what anti-slap means in a minute, but – It's really a coalition of organizations that understands and values the importance of free speech in Texas and around the country. And it includes media organizations like Ann, like the American Society of News Editors, another one of my clients, ONA, the Online News Association. I'm sure you're familiar with them. The Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, Society of Professional Journalists, Radio, Television, Digital News Association, of course, some in Texas. But then some non-media organizations like Yelp is very big in protecting anti-slap laws and promoting them, the ACLU, the Better Business Bureau. And just to give you a last little bit of flavor, it tends to be a very bipartisan issue. So you have all these groups that are media groups. You have groups that may be like the ACLU kind of perceived as leftist. But on the other side, you have very libertarian organizations like the Institute for Justice and the R Street Institute that that skew a little more conservative that are also part of this coalition. I know when you were on the podcast the last time, you you were talking about anti-slap legislation. Let's sort of uh, backtrack a little bit and talk about that again. What is that? Well, SLAP stands for Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. And an anti-SLAP is is a statute that tries to deter strategic lawsuits against public participation. And you may ask, what is a strategic lawsuit against public participation, a SLAP lawsuit? It's a lawsuit that's filed pretty much for the sole purpose of shutting someone up. Shutting up a critic, right? And, and, and you see these mainly uh, – these, these slap lawsuits mainly filed by people who are rich, powerful, don't mind how much they spend – need to spend on attorneys. And they do it to – you know, they, they file them as defamation lawsuits, sometimes copyright infringement lawsuits, sometimes invasion of privacy lawsuits, sometimes unfair trade pra- practices. And they do it again solely to, to not only you know, punish someone who's spoken out against them but maybe send a message to others to, to deter them from criticizing that individual or company as well. Yeah, I, I seem to remember the last time you were on, we were, we were talking about it. There was a big businessman in, in New York City. Uh, I think his name was Trump. Yeah who uh, had, a, had a reputation for doing this type of thing about filing these lawsuits um, to just sort of gum up the works to sort of prevent 
criticism or examination of whatever the, the particular practices were. But this isn't just a Trump issue. This is like any organization, any company, any rich person who, who has a deep enough pockets to – you know, prevent whatever oversight somebody or some publication is trying to do. Now, what's the situation in Texas? Why, why is Texas concerned? With well, Texas is really important because Texas passed its law in 2010 against called the Texas Citizen Participation Act. And it has not only been a great law, but it, at the time it was the 28th state anti-slap statute that was passed in the country. There's been a couple more now. Um, I think we're up to 30 30 or 31. I think 31 now, but no federal law. And we can talk about that in a little bit. It's proven wildly successful, so successful that it's been able to deter a lot of uh, slap suits and protect people who have um, you know, spoken out in that state, but also served as a model for other states. And that's really important. I think, you know, as, as we're trying to fill out those other now almost 20 states that don't have anti-slap laws, and in fact, strengthen some of the other, strengthen some of the states that already have them, but they're not very good. Texas really kind of served as, as a point to which, you know, to which people look at and say, that's what we want to do. And now you've got this attack on it that, that is going to gut, basically gut the law to the point where it's going to be pretty useless. Okay. Well, well first, before we go into that specifically, what is it that the, these anti-slap laws do? How, do? how do they sort of prevent these lawsuits from happening? Right. So we talked about what a slap suit is and, and the fact that it's, it's really often a defamation lawsuit that is used to chill free speech. Because as a speaker, you, you can have the best, strongest you know, case in the world under the First Amendment. What you said could be 100 percent true. It could be 100 percent opinion based, which is protect, protected on the First Amendment. And you would not be you know, you would not could, could not successfully be sued for defamation. Um, you know, you, you can have the greatest case in the world, but you cannot stop someone from suing you. And if, as I said earlier, if, if, if a rich person wants to use their resources to make your life miserable, they can do it. And what these these laws generally do around the country is they do a number of things that will help raise the barrier to a successful lawsuit in these situations. They will accelerate the process of getting the suit dismissed. And the strongest of these laws, uh, strongest of these anti-slap statutes will also allow a defendant to get their attorney's fees paid for, which is not the usual situation under U.S. law. A defendant who – someone who successfully defends himself in court doesn't usually get their attorney's fees paid for by the losing plaintiff. Oh, OK. So that's something that, that would deter somebody from, from trying to file one of these suits. It's absolutely a huge deterrent. I mean you talked about Donald Trump earlier and he, you know, he famously said after suing someone – I believe it was the ghostwriter of his – book who basically then came out and said, you know, he's only worth between $150 million and $250 million. Well, Trump sues him in New Jersey Superior Court. And pretty quickly, and he demanded $6 million from the uh, – I'm sorry, $6 billion with a B from the book author and the publishers. And then the case was dismissed pretty quickly because there was no actual malice. There was no defamation case to stand on. Afterwards, he says, I spent a couple of bucks on legal fees. They spent a whole lot more. I did it to make his life miserable, which I'm happy about. So the only way you're potentially going to deter a Donald Trump or someone with money from suing you is it's not enough to say – you are not going to win. It's not enough to say we'll limit the cost of my defending myself. It might be enough to say now you're going to pay my my legal fees. So let's go back to to Texas. Yeah. Why why is the law under attack? Or I should say, how is the law under attack? Well, you know, the the trial lawyers associations around the country have always opposed these because they do tend to get the the cases kicked out pretty quickly before trial. You know, defamation lawsuits especially. This one seems to be coming from the other side, from the tort reform community, which, which you would think is actually going to be in favor 
of an anti-slap statute because they are generally going to want things that will limit tort lawsuits and, and make it, you know, make court cases more equitable. But here, the Texas law, Texans for Lawsuit Reform did a, a study of the act, what they said is the actual operation of the Texas Citizen Participation Act, where they found, despite its positive sounding name, that the statute is being used for by people for reasons having nothing to do with free speech or citizen participation in government. They had a number of small, very, you know, these now we're getting into the weeds a little bit, concerns about the law, such as a matter of public concern, which is sort of the, the defendant's trigger for, for using this statute. Like I, if I'm sued after speaking out on a matter of public concern, that's my entree into using this statute. They think this, this is con- construed too broadly and it's just going to basically touch any type of lawsuit. They also feel the same way about what it constitutes a legal action. Like if I'm, if I'm not quite sued, can I somehow trigger this law you know, in a non-court proceeding to, you know, to get rid of that action? They think the clear and specific evidence that's required of a plaintiff to win their case doesn't really match up with other accepted legal terms. I mean, you you might have heard the term clear and convincing evidence. This law uses clear and specific evidence, which they say is a little difficult and and undefined to follow. And they think the structure overly encourages the filings of motions to dismiss. So they have a lot of problems with the way the law – they claim the way the law is being implemented. So – and this is why the Protect Free Speech Coalition got involved in it, I take it. Well, yeah, you know, there's it is an all-out assault on the law. I mean, some of these changes are are pretty drastic, especially now. A couple of these have been walked back. The great thing is there's been some some wonderful advocacy being done in Texas, led primarily by, as you'd expect, the Texas Press Association and the Texas Association of Broadcasters. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Laura Prather, who is the counsel to both, and she's with a, a law firm in Austin called Haynes and Boone, and she's really kind of pulled this whole coalition together. But she's she's already been working with the, the sponsors and many of the um, the people on the on the relevant committees in Texas, legislative committees in Texas, to kind of walk some of this back, and has had a little bit of success, but not not enough yet. I mean, it, really, I mean, there there are a number of changes. I won't go through all of them, but a couple of the big ones are that it would limit the application of the law to what we call only constitutionally protected speech. So again, rather than matters of public concern being the entree way as a defendant to getting the, the anti-slap statute invoked and maybe getting the case out of court earlier and maybe getting legal fees, now it has to rely on constitutionally protected speech. And the way this law works, the way anti-slap law works, is it rests with the defendant to make that first showing. Like, I've spoken out on a matter of matter of public concern, and then the burden will shift to the plaintiff to come back and make their case. And they want to make the change to say, I've spoken out on a matter of constitutionally protected speech. But most plaintiffs are pretty easily going to try to argue in return that, that well, defamation isn't constitutionally protected. Right. Invasion of privacy isn't constitutionally protected. Copyright or trademark infringement isn't constitutionally protected. I mean, it's it's... It blows a hole right there in this law. Um, and there's a number of other changes that are really difficult to to kind of stomach when you look at it. It's going to make it really easy to unmask online commenters. And that's a big part of some of these laws, some of the more forward-thinking laws. They make it really difficult for a plaintiff to go after anonymous speakers online, which is one of the reasons Yelp is, is very involved in protecting anti-slap laws. But this would make it – and the Texas law protects anonymous online commenters. This law would make it really easy for a potential plaintiff to go right to, you know, right to the heart of that and force that person to be to become, you know, known. So what's the timeline here in Texas? Well, like most state legislatures, it moves a lot more quickly than the federal legislature. It was introduced a little over a week ago, and it's 
discussions with the co-sponsors. There have not been a hearing yet. There has not been a hearing yet, but I know that a working group has been created in Texas to look at some of these issues already. So it's it's probably on a fast track. So if if the they succeed in sort of curtailing the scope of this law, can we sort of then expect similar actions in other states or are we already seeing similar actions in other states? Well, that is the concern. As I said earlier, We've looked to Texas's law as a model. And some of the people who draft these commissions that draft model statutes, which say, you know, they'll have a model anti-slap statute. And that is, if you're a state that doesn't have one and you just want to don't go through the work of drafting one, here's, here's what we think is the best. And that's, that's been Texas. It's been incorporated by some of these uniform drafting boards. Yeah, so, I mean, that goes away right away. In Texas, the protection for spe- free speech goes away. I don't think we will see an assault on anti-slap so much in other states, but we are seeing problems in other states in other ways. Again, we don't have something at the federal level. And I think as we push for a federal anti-slap statute, this could prove to be a big setback as so, well. So where is that at, the push for the federal statute? That's been going on for about 10 years now. And, and it's really hard because every time you kind of move forward, it's a really difficult bill. And I think, you know, we've, we've, we've pulled together a good coalition. I'm, I'm on the board of a group called the Public Participation Project, which has kind of been working with a number of others to move this legislation forward. And we drafted a really good bill that, much like Texas, kind of the, the you know, you picked and chose the best of the best from all these different states. So that's all the things you'd want. In a bill. And, you know, sometimes that scares people. So, so now we're at the phase where we're looking for co-sponsors in the House and the Senate. We're kind of trying to refine the language. But I think it's going to be really hard to get that done in this Congress, given that we're entering, obviously, in 2020, a major election, presidential election, a major House, major House and Senate elections as well. It's, it's really going to be hard to pass legislation. We're, we're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but not optimistic that we move it very far this time around. Right. We need to build momentum for future years. Right. It's a priority for us, maybe, but not necessarily for a lot of other people outside of us. But it should be. That's the right. thing. So, well, see, and that goes into my next question is, like, how can we raise awareness, make this a topic that, that more people should, should know about? Well, you know, first and foremost, I think this is perhaps – this is my one man's opinion. I won't even speak for <laughs> Anne and its legislative priorities or any other clients. Let me get you to the soapbox. I think that this is probably the number one free speech advocacy issue at the federal level right now. I mean, people have talked about a federal shield law, reporter's privilege bill for years. We talk about FOIA all the time. But look at the state of the media industry right now. I mean, one lawsuit could cripple any publication at any time. Right. And, you, and as I said earlier, you don't get to choose who sues you. You could be 100 percent in the right and you'll get sued. And at a minimum, you know, you invoke your insurance if you have it and then your, your premiums go up and, and it becomes really difficult. In fact, anti-slap laws can directly correlate to insurance premiums going down because they're known to deter lawsuits, right? So this is a really important issue for journalists. But what journalists need to do is make sure they don't get sucked into making it a journalism issue, right? right. It is not a journalism issue. It is a people issue. I mean because if you think about – the, the effect this would have on a media organization that doesn't have a lot of money, think about the effect these laws have on people that don't have a lot of money. And again, these are, these are situations where folks in their communities are just speaking out and being sued to quiet them. And I have a few examples, if, if you'll indulge sure. me a bit. These are from Texas. So one example with the media was that, that a, a former children's – these are from the Protect Free Speech Coalition website that you can go to. And in one example – they note that a former children's camp counselor sued some journalists and media organizations and the family of an 11-year-old victim of sexual assault 
after the defendants reported on incidents of sexual assault that the plaintiff committed while serving as a camp counselor. So they're reporting on child abuse. And he sues to try to get this swept under the rug. And the family of the child, the family of the child, right? So this is a family. Again, it cannot be reiterated enough. An 11-year-old victim of sexual assault is sued for defamation for bringing this to light. And they managed to successfully get claims dismissed under the Texas Citizen Participation Act. I mean, you see people all the time. This is another example. A Dallas couple was sued for breach of a non-disparagement clause after the couple left a negative Yelp review about a pet sitting company, which they say, you know, the plaintiff improperly cared for their pets while they're out of town. We see this a lot. I mean, you know, people love their pets. I love my dog. And if, if something happened to him, I would speak out about it. And I, and I do because I know the local pet businesses around my neighborhood. And I know people complain. Well, what if they have a valid complaint and the pet, you know, the business doesn't want its reputation harmed, which is fair. But what if it's, you know, what if it's a valid claim here? This was a non-disparagement clause. And we're seeing this a lot more, these types of laws at the state. Thankfully, they've been outlawed at the federal level. But you would see these things that say if you are going to join a site, you cannot disparage. Or if you're going to participate in a group, you can't disparage that group. Or you, you want to you know, engage with the business. You are not allowed to go online and post a negative review, even if it's true. This couple posted a true but not favorable review and was sued. And again, the Texas Citizen Participation Act said there's no case here. You cannot contract away your right to criticize a business. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about AAN and ASNI. Yeah. You know, what, what, do you, what are the big issues you guys have been, been focusing on from a, a legal standpoint? Free speech issues. Well, anti-slap is a big one. There's a couple other things that are uh, out there right now that AAN just committed to supporting something called the Journalist Protection Act, which was introduced in both the House and the Senate. Um, you know, the major co-sponsors in the and the major co-sponsor in the House was Eric Swalwell from California, and we've been working with Richard Blumenthal in the Senate. And that's a bill that would actually create a criminal penalty, federal criminal penalty, for someone who assaults a journalist while that journalist is acting in the course of their job. So basically, you know, it's, it's, it's geared toward people attack, you know, attacking journalists, and it creates a, a three-year fine and up to a three-year jail sentence for bo- committing bodily harm and up to a six-year jail sentence for serious bodily harm. And, and, and it has to be done against a journalist in the course of a news gathering with the intent to deter that journalist from news gathering. And you would think, you know, that there's a bit of debate over this. Like, is this something we want? I think there are people that, that have a legitimate argument. And as you noted, I've said AAN is, is supported, but there are other organizations that, that have not in the journalism community because the debate is sort of like, do journalists want special protection? Do der- journalists deserve special protection? You know, is this something that, that's a good look? And I get all those arguments. And I, so, so I guess, you know, as I started to say, is this something we want in 2019? Unfortunately, it may be something we need in 2019? Yeah, it's an interesting concept because one would think that the laws that are already in place, the the First Amendment, the um, the laws that are in place against uh, assault yeah. uh, would protect you from that. You, you would think so, that. So why would we need as journalists, why would we make ourselves special where many people are complaining that journalists are, are, are sort of sectioning themselves off as a, an elite type of uh, individual, elite type of career. Yeah. You know, they're just they're just human beings. You know, everybody else has problems in their jobs. Everybody else, you know, you know, ha- there are situations where they, they may run into some sort of assault or, or attack on their work. Why, you know, why is why are journalists special? Well, we've heard that argument before. We heard it when the Federal Shield Law was proposed, <laughs> every time the Federal Shield Law is proposed, you know, I mean, it, when, when you think about it, a reporter's privilege is nothing more than, as I always say, 
society's recognition that the flow of information between a reporter and the source is important enough to protect and exempt the reporter from having to go to court, much like we have determined almost everywhere that the attorney-client protection is, is, you know, relationship is important. The spousal protection, the the doctor-patient protection. We have made a moral decision that we need to protect this relationship. And and in a way, we're making that decision that, that we need to create a federal cause of action, a federal crime to allow federal law enforcement authorities to step in where maybe state law enforcement authorities might look the other way. And again, I say it's a legitimate argument as to whether journalists need this or deserve this. But let's – two things I think are very important to remember as as we look at this bill. Number one, what is the only business? You talked about other people do their jobs. What's the only business mentioned by name in the United States Constitution? Our, our machine, the press. our machine is in the in the first First Amendment. Yes, but but the other one is, I think it's just a, it's it's a very good way to highlight the problems. I and I don't want to say we should use the federal legislative machine again, the federal legislative process to create causes. But I will say that one of the things that hopefully people will realize is this is a serious issue. And as we move this forward, maybe we will get that conversation. And, and if it's not the right bill, it's not the right bill. But but we, we, in, we intend to make sure people take notice. And we can certainly see the, the reasoning behind wanting to have this law. Yeah. That what we've seen in the last few years, the increase of violence against journalists, just, just as they're trying to do their job, uh, creates a chilling effect on, the, on free speech. So protecting journalists protects free speech. It protects uh, the dissemination of news. So one would hope, you know, like I said, it would be great if, if the laws that we had now which are supposed to protect us, would protect us. But, you know, doubling down and saying, look, protecting journalists is important for everybody, not just for the journalists, not, not for, the, for the people who are in that career, but for the, the dissemination of our news, for our democracy. It's yeah. important to protect free speech. So why not protect the people who are delivering it? Well, and there's actually obviously a common thread there between anti-SLAP and, you know, and the Journalist Protection Act, which is that existing protections aren't enough. I mean, one may say, why do you need anti-slap if you've got the First Amendment? I mean, you're going to win right. the case. And as I said, that doesn't always help. People will still sue. And and you know what? There were examples yesterday and today that probably support the need for both of these bills. Yesterday, Devin Nunes, a congressman from California, filed a $250 million lawsuit against Twitter, right? And you may say, okay, Twitter's got the amount, can, can defend this. That's probably true. But should they have to? Right. Should, should the individual users that created the Devin Nunes' mom account and all these other accounts? should Now, they shouldn't have to defend themselves against this type of lawsuit. And what's really interesting about this, which I think plays into the need for a federal anti-slap law and stronger anti-slap laws around the country is, do you know where that lawsuit was filed, Michael? Where? Where do you live? Virginia? It was following Virginia. Devin Nunes. Don't get me started con- on Virginia laws. Well, <laughs> Devin Nunes, a congressman from California, sued Twitter, a company based in California, in Virginia. And I bet you the reason he did that was that the California anti-slap law is also one of the strongest in the country. So, you know, a $250 million lawsuit, first of all, there's no claim there. I guarantee you there's no claim there. Second, if there's a claim, where does $250 million of damage come in? That's why we need anti-slap laws. Now, why do we need the Journalism Protection Act? Because weeks after we've seen continued assaults on journalists, after we've seen, you know, months after we saw five journalists shot miles from here in Annapolis, 
Maryland. Once we thought people are finally getting it this morning, the president of the United States goes on goes on Twitter again and again says we need to stop fake news and again calls the fake news media the enemy of the people. And you don't think that's going to have an effect again at some point? This is why I think where people are saying this is a crisis situation and legislation might need to occur. I think that's a that's a good place for us to stop. There's they're Before I get too worked up. They're, they're getting too. <laughs> calm down, calm down. And I just want to amend. You know, I I do live in Virginia. You know, it is the birthplace of the Bill of Rights. Just yeah. throwing it out there. James uh, Madison. Yes. People say he wrote the First and Amendment. George, George George Mason wrote the Virginia Resolves. Yes. Which and I went to one school and taught at the other. So I I'm I love it. Yeah. <laughs> You've covered all your bases. Exactly. All right. Well. Thanks for coming in and, and being on the podcast. Thanks for continuing the good fight. And thank you for, uh, for giving some exposure to these issues. Great. And I'd love to come back anytime. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Hilly wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>